Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, <coughs> once again we thank You for being there. You're real. You're not some dreamed up God. You're the maker of heaven and earth. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're, as the theologians often say, you're everywhere present and nowhere absent. And yet there are times in our lives when it seems as if you are so far, far away. The problem is not with you. It lies with us. And we thank you that you are ever with us. In regeneration, you give us your Holy Spirit and he abides with us forever. We don't always feel that. But we know it to be so because you have said so in your word. And thereby we are to walk by faith knowing these truths. And yet we confess because of the deadness of our souls and the indifference of our minds that it is as if we hold you at arm's length. <coughs> it seems as if many, if not all, of the songs that we sang this morning uh, had a great deal to do with the struggles of a child of grace. But someday all of that will be left behind. It's passing away. We know not the day nor the hour of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as Paul said so many years ago, how much more is it true today that the hour of the coming and the time of the coming of the Lord is nearer now than it has been? And if we do not live to the coming of the Lord in just a few short years, we shall pass off the scene. To the children here, it seems as if that is something that is far, far in the distance. And it doesn't seem like it would be so short a time. But as they reach those mature years, and if some live to be as old as some of the aged here, they will recognize at that time how short life is. But there will be an eternity. An eternity of bliss and joy and delight for those who trust in Thee. For those who deny Thee 
there too will be an eternity. But it will not be something that is better. Most of the world today thinks that <clears throat> after one has passed off the scene, that they're better off. But many are not. We thank You for Your Word and pray again that You would <coughs> be with faithful men who stand to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ and that You raise up more. In Jesus' name, Amen. We come back to 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> And this morning, it may be this afternoon as well, but we're going to be talking about the new commandment. Basically, verses 7 through 11. I'll read those. 1 John 2, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. <clears throat> Here we see... <coughs> Him talking to the brethren. Notice he addresses them as brethren, which I would like to emphasize again, which I uh, do so many times. He was not writing to people that are not children of God. He was writing to children of God. In fact, in uh, chapter 5 of 1 John, in verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye uh, may believe on the name of the Son of God. So, <coughs> John is writing to believers. And we have uh, emphasized that not only in this epistle, but in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter uh, 20 and verses 30, uh, 30 and 31, <clears throat> we have seen before that uh, the Gospel of John is not written to unbelievers to try to get somebody to believe, but the Gospel of John was written to believers and encouraging them to keep on believing. And... Uh, I'm appalled at how many Bible scholars overlook that and do not uh, follow the grammatical interpretation of the Word of God and make it appear that uh, the Gospel of John is trying to get people to believe and, and, and have eternal life. But the Gospel of John, as well as the first epistle of John, teaches us that he that believes already has eternal life. And so we have to keep that in mind before us. <clears throat> Verses 7 and 8 seem to be a contradiction because John says that he is not writing regarding a new commandment, but an old commandment. And yet he says again, 
a new commandment I write unto you. So we have to try to figure out what's he talking about, this old commandment and new commandment. <coughs> now I've tried to <coughs> broach the subject uh, by first of all looking at uh, excuse me <coughs> looking at uh, two words in the Greek that's translated new one is the word naos and the other is uh, the word uh, kainos. And the word is kainos here. And these two words are so closely related that it is uh, difficult to uh, show the difference. There's a book uh, some of you know about it. Some of you probably don't. Uh, by uh, R.C. Trench called Synonyms of the Greek New Testament. And though Greek uh, uh, Trench talked about that there is a difference between these two words, he also said, some have denied that any difference can be in the New Testament uh, between these two words. They derive a certain plausible support for this denial from the fact that manifestly, naos and kainos, both rendered new in our version, are often interchangeably used. And so when you have that, you uh, come across words that are uh, so similar that uh, they can be used interchangeably, and yet <coughs> there is a slight variation uh, in their meaning. We have a lot of that today in our English language. All you need to do is get a thesaurus down and look at a lot of different synonyms of different words. However, <coughs> I'm going to give the basic definition of these two words. Kainos, which is the word that we have here in verse 7, and also verse uh, 8, where it says a new commandment and no new commandment. He uses the same word. But this word is new in respect for, uh, in respects to form or recently made, fresh, recent, unused, unworn. It denotes new of that which is unaccustomed or used, not new in time or not recent, but new as to form and quality. It's the difference of nature from that which is contrast as old. In other words, I may say that I have bought a new phone. Well, the phone is new, but phones are not new. So this is talking about something that is new uh, in form, but it's not new in reality. Hope that makes sense. The other word that's not used, but we'll <coughs> define it anyway, uh, naos carries the meaning of recently born, young or youthful, or new in respect of time, that which is recent. But like I said, the word, uh, the, uh, the word new in verses 7 and 8 is the first one that we spoke about. In other words, uh, it still does not give ease in re resolving the difficulty of 
I write no new commandment, and a new commandment I write unto you. Same word. But I do believe that this commandment under consideration has to do with love as addressed in the Gospel. Particularly, that love that is addressed in John chapter 13, verse 34. I want to turn back and read that. John 13, verse 34. Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. In other words, this new commandment, and we're going to discuss this a little more in detail as we go further, but this new commandment has to do with us loving as Christ loved. The old commandment, as we shall see, talks about love, but it talks about love more from the standpoint of uh, the commandment of love as written on uh, hearts of stone. But this is talking about love as engendered in the child of grace. And it has to, like we said, it has to do with love. And the whole context of this, we find, uh, deals with love. If you'll notice in, still in chapter 2 in verse 5, He introduces love that whoso keepeth His Word in Him verily is the love of God perfected. In verse 9, love is... (coughs) Excuse me. Love is addressed as the opposite of hatred. In verse 10, He draws our attention again back to love. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Verse 11 again speaks as love. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because darkness hath blinded his eyes. Though love is not mentioned, but it's the contrast of love. Verse 15 talks about love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And there are other passages throughout this epistle of 1 John that directs our attention to loving the brothers. For example, in 1 John 3, verses 10 and 11, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In other words, you're seeing here the intensity of this love, of loving as Christ loved, not just a loving your neighbor, just from a legal standpoint. This is the new commandment, loving as Christ loved. Verse uh, 
Verse 17 of 1 John 3, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Verse 23, And this is, and this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of, of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. Chapter 4, Verses seventeen through thirteen, excuse me, verses seven through thirteen. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. Drop down to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love of God, the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a, man, if, any, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loved Love, uh, love his brother also. And then in the fifth chapter, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. Now, we could uh, uh, multiply that because uh, the word love in 1 John is mentioned 33 times in 23 verses. And so, this new commandment has to do with loving, even loving as Christ loved. In fact, first John, excuse me, second John verses five and six says, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which ye had from the beginning, that which that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. So you can see where this new commandment is headed. The old commandment is the commandment to love others and or keeping the commandments of God are not new. The old commandment is really not new. We'll look at a few verses in the Old Testament. First of all, Exodus 20. Exodus chapter 20. Verse 
I'll read verses 4 through 6 to get the context. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So when John said that the old commandment is not really new, but there is a new commandment, and so uh, <clears throat> though he's writing about love, <clears throat> uh, he's not writing about anything new, but he's looking at it new with reference to a new quality of loving like Christ. Not just loving from the standpoint of keeping the law. Look at Leviticus chapter 19. <clears throat> Remember the illustration that I gave earlier. I can say that I'm buying a phone, but phones are not new. But it's new to me. And when John's writes <clears throat> no new commandment, He's not writing about anything new with regard to love, but the new commandment is that we love with a greater intensity like Christ loved, not just from the standpoint of natural uh, love. But anyway, Leviticus 19, verse 18 Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. We're to love as ourself. But the Christian is to love as Christ loved, not as we love. And you can see there's a, 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 a higher quality of love that's found in the love of Christ with regard to our love. Drop down to verse 34 in Leviticus 19. <clears throat> but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. <coughs> Deuteronomy chapter 10. Verse 12. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, and serve the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Love is found in obedience, in other words. And then in verse 19, Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now we could give many other illustrations and examples, but the Old Testament talks about loving God, and it talks about loving man, your neighbor, as yourself. <clears throat> One passage in the New Testament, I won't turn there and read it. We've read it so many times. John 15.10 talks about, If you love me, keep my commandments. 
keeping the commandments is love. But this new commandment is not just keeping commandments. It's not just loving as yourself. It's not just loving because you're commanded. But it's loving because you have the same love of Christ. Now remind you again what we've already wrote what we've already read, John thirteen, verse thirty four, where Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. And we also need to remember again that love is a verb more than a noun. You remember Matthew 5, verses 44 through 48, where it talks about loving your neighbor, not only loving your friends, but loving your enemies? It didn't say like your enemies. It didn't say feel good towards your enemies, but to love them. In other words, you do that which is good and right before your enemies. The new commandment, again, that Christ commands is that we love as Christ loved. We we don't just keep the commandment in the letter, but we keep the commandment in the heart. We keep the commandment in the heart. See, I can love my enemy in the letter of the word love. But I might not have the right heart that I ought to have. So you can see the difference between the old commandment and the new commandment. John said, I'm not writing anything new about love because the, the Old Commandment talks about love. But I am writing something new about love as far as to the quality of it. The quality of it. Let's look at a couple of verses as how Christ loved us. Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> We'll take up in verse (coughs) 29. This is just one passage we're giving on this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. You see how all of this is? How that we are to love as Christ loved. How that He forgives us. And we're to forgive one another as He forgives us. And we're to walk as He would have us to walk. Or we're to walk as He walked. In 1 John 
chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. While we were commanded to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and spirit in the Old Testament, and while we are also commanded to uh, love our neighbor as ourselves in the Old Testament, here we see that the love of Christ is that we're to lay down our lives for a brother. We're to lay down our lives. We're to give of ourselves. This is the new commandment that is intensified. A.T. Robertson said, Old in teaching as the old story of Cain and Abel, but new in practice. For this use of Palin, that is the word again, for a new turn, see John sixteen twenty eight, to walk as Christ walked is to put in practice the old commandment and so make it new, ever new and fresh, as love is as old as man and fresh in every new experience. You, need, you remember the word for love. The uh, agape or agapao was not found in ancient literature before the time of Christ. And it was used in such a way to describe the Christian love. I'm going to try your patience by reading a lengthy quote, a lengthy section from Arthur Pink. And I thought he did uh, uh, so good a job for me to try to condense it down. I thought I would be losing something. So I'm just going to Read this as he talks about this old commandment, new commandment. <clears throat> Starting with pink. Quote, The law required that I love my neighbor, which was a natural relationship. But the gospel requires me to love my brethren in Christ, which is a spiritual relationship. The law required me to love my neighbor as myself, to be as zealous in protecting his interest and forwarding his welfare as I am my own. Christ commands us that we love one another as I have loved you. John fifteen twelve, With a fervent, sacrificial, and endearing love. His words in John thirteen thirty four, as I have loved you, are to be interpreted in the light of their context, verses 14 through 15, where we behold the incarnate Son of God performing a slave's part, washing the feet of His disciples. This was a self-renouncing, self-denying love which shrank not from the meanest office. Several broad hints have been given above, but we must now furnish a more definite and fuller answer to the question, why is the old commandment of verse 7 called a new one in verse 8? The terms are used relatively and not absolutely. The Old Commandment is now considered in a new light and is to be laid hold of with a new vigor. 
Love for the brethren is not urged on grounds on which it was not uh, under the mosaic, uh, mosaic economy. First and foremost, from the example supplied by Christ, He not only expressly ratified the original precept, but had given a pattern of charity such as had never been seen in this world before. In Him, it was supremely and sublimely personified. The Lord Jesus displayed a love which was superior to all the faults and failings of His objects, a love love which never varied or cooled, which deemed no service too menial, no sacrifice too great. It was new then, not in substance, but in the form given to it by the Redeemer. Perfectly exemplified by Him, it shone with additional luster and appeared with new beauty. Thus we see how intimately this linked with verse 6 in exhorting Christians to walk as their Master walked. The Apostle singled out one particular feature thereof, how he conducted himself toward his brethren. The followers of Christ are required to love one another for his sake, as hearing, excuse me, as bearing his image, and as initiating, excuse me, and as imitating the copy, the copy he set before them of compassionate, patient, unselfish unselfish affection. They are to have a genuine regard to each other's interest and comforts, a sympathy with all with their sorrows and a part in their joys. They are to delight in one another's company, to live in peace and harmony, to bear and forbear with each other's frailties. They are to unite together in prayer and worship, to bear each other's burdens, to spare no pains in seeking to build them up in faith and holiness. This new commandment is to be kept forever fresh in the hearts and minds of the saints. It has come to them with a new power, under the old covenant, it was inscribed on, upon tables of stone, but the Spirit writes it upon on the hearts of those who are under the new covenant. And it was for this reason that Paul said to the saints, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. First Thessalonians 4, 9. End of quote. I thought Pink explained that in a very, very good way. So you can see that when he talks about he's not writing a new commandment. In other words, he's not writing about uh, something new because the Old Testament talked about love. But he's writing about a new commandment in how this love is of a higher uh, quality. I keep using that word quality because I can't think of anything better. And I think you can see how it is. Too often, I'm afraid that many professing Christians only have a love of the old commandment and not a love of the new commandment. A loving as Christ loved. A not only giving of oneself, but a willing, willingness to give of oneself. You know, it's one thing to say, well, my brother's in need. The Bible says I ought to help him, and uh, I'm, going to do, uh, I'm, I'm going to do something. It's another to say, my brother's in need, and I delight help and do for him in any way that I can. Naturally, 
since we still live in a sinful body, we have this battle to, to fight, do we not? We're quick to want to protect ourselves before we protect others. But if our heart is right before God, then we are going to love from this new commandment. I hope that somewhat explains it. Uh, I always, when I come up with something like this, try to uh, explain it. Always feel like that I'm leaving something out. Of course, uh, anytime I preach and try to exegete any verse, I always feel like I'm leaving something out. And uh, because there's so much more that could be said. Let's read those again. Verse 7 Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. This old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. And we saw some places in the Old Testament where they talked about loving one another. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. So you can see that there is a distinction. This darkness is past is quite unique. The idea is that darkness is passing away as a parade is going down the street. All parades have an end. And beloved, while we live in this world and the wickedness that we see day by day by day, I can assure you it has an end. It's passing away. It's passing away. You know, we talk about how bad it is. But if you were to go back and read, say, uh, in Luther's time, he talked about how the world was so ungodly he thought the Lord was about ready to come back. The Puritans talked that way. And the early, uh, many of the early uh, writers of ministers in this country, in, in the early days of this country, wrote the same way. That things are so wicked, so ungodly, that surely the Lord is about ready to come back. Just about in every age they thought that the Lord was ready to come back. As we'll get later on here in 1 John chapter 2, he talks about Antichrist will come. But he said there's already Antichrist. In every age there's wickedness and ungodliness. And it may be, I don't know, it may be 10, 20, 30 years from now, if the Lord tarries, our country will look back on the age of today and talk about how bad it was and couldn't believe it was as bad as it was. And yet, what will it be in that day? The bottom line is, unless God moves upon the heart of an individual, they're going to live in sin. They're going to live in sin. They're not going to have this Christian love. They're not going to have this Christian love. <clears throat> the last two or three years has been quite revealing to congregations all across this land. As I talk to preachers from time to time, I was talking to a preacher this last uh, week. Uh, <clears throat> in fact, this month, uh, he has been there at that one congregation for 35 years. 
But he said when the COVID hit, there were a lot of people that they couldn't come to the house of the Lord anymore because they might get sick. But it didn't stop them from going anywhere else. And he talked about how, how congregations after congregations, not only him, but others that I've talked to, how they've talked about how many of the people that were uh, used to faithfully attend quit attending. No wonder Paul said that there must be heresies among us so that they who are approved may be made manifest. And if you read back through church history, when there were troublesome times, whether it was a, uh, an epidemic of some sort, whether it was persecution by the government or whatever, people that were not genuine, they just fell away, fell away, fell away. What's the problem? They didn't have Christian love. They didn't have Christian love. They weren't willing to sacrifice. As Pink said, uh, well, I thought I could put my finger on it right quick. I had talked about that. Uh, uh, no menial task was too small. To do in service of the Lord. Yes, a new commandment. There can you can show love from outward to some degree. Sometimes children show uh, affection for their parents and obedience to their parents just out of natural affection. But the Christian shows obedience because he wants to. Has a desire to. It's a willingness. It's a willingness. But as I said before, I kind of got sidetracked on this uh the uh, darkness is passing away. It's passing away. We don't know how bad it'll get before the Lord returns. But I can assure you that when God's had enough, He'll stop it. We must ever remember Psalm 70. 7610, I believe it is. The wrath of man praises him, and the remainder he restrains. As wicked as things are, the wrath of man praises God. But if it were not for the restraining mercy of God, it would be worse. The wrath of man shall praise him, but the remainder he restrains. Our God is in control. Our God rules. And we are children of the light and not of darkness. We're children of the light and not of darkness. I didn't go into much depth on this, but I do want to uh, look at look at First Thessalonians chapter five. Well, I'm going to read some of the context here. Start at verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. I don't care what your eschatological view is. Doesn't matter whether you're pre, post, or ah, or a windmill. 
<laughs> Doesn't matter what your view is. For ye, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. How does a thief come unannounced? There's not going to be somebody out on the street corner. There's not going to be anybody on the news saying, All right, such and such a day the Lord's coming. We've had a lot of people do that. And every time I hear somebody say that, I know He's not coming then. And I know He's a false teacher. I don't care if He's a Calvinist, or an Arminian, or a Socinian, or a Pelagian, or whatever He is. They start making predictions of that nature. They're not of the Lord. Verse 3, For when they shall say, peace and safety, when they shall say, not you, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. You ladies know when travail comes upon when you're giving birth, it comes unannounced, doesn't it? You know that. I don't know that. I just know it by I know it by reading it. You know it by experientially. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day that 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 day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light, and the children of the day. You're not of the night nor of darkness. As we preach going through the book of Revelation, we don't have to try to figure out when the Lord's coming back. We don't have to try to figure out what the, uh, what the 666 is and the beast and the false prophet and all of that. The book of Revelation tells us that a child of grace won't worship it. And they won't receive the mark. You say, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll receive it and not know it. No, the Bible says if you're a child of grace, you won't receive it. You say, well, maybe I, uh, how will I know that? You may not even know it. But that day won't overtake you as a thief in the night. Why? Because you're not of the darkness. You're of the day. In closing with these verses, I, do, I don't agree with Robert Candish in all that he had to say about the Old and New Commandment. But I do appreciate his application. And without going through his various points, I want you to quote his closing remarks. For though doctrinal Christianity is always old, experimental Christianity is always new. The Gospel preached to us is old. But the Gospel realized in us is always new. Christ set forth before our eyes is always old. But Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. Christ becoming more and more through the Spirit's teaching part and parcel of our whole inner man. This Christ is always new. I thought that was a good summary. And aren't you glad from time to time Christ still comes to you new and afresh in a new way? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Help us to more and more distinguish between serving You in the letter of the Word and serving You with a heart alive, vital, fresh, 
and living. Each day as we live out our lives upon this earth. In Jesus' name, Amen.